Hey, this is Lei. Just before we get started, listening back on this episode, I think we were all eager to jump right into this project, and I really enjoyed learning about how Gabby and Gina's paths crossed in Beijing, and talking more about why we felt compelled to live abroad, what it would mean to return home, and the delight of going on long walks in foreign cities. Even though Gina and I had never met in person. In another life, I might have run into her in a pub in London and had this conversation there. Okay, let's get into it. I am always changing. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I think that it's, uh, I don't have too much attachment at this point to how I'm supposed to be or what I used to be like a few months ago. I'm already like, not like that. Um, it's definitely Maybe that was a harder process for me out of college because I think I definitely experienced that when I was in college. Um, you're sort of expected to have conviction in your beliefs and you know that will become part of your identity and you want to like associate with XYZ type of causes or groups and you better sort of like put your money where your mouth is and, and also just like stick with it. Um, so yeah, I love conviction and bravery. But I also think that like it's it's just honest and honorable to change as humans because we this is like so hard to resist that. So hi everyone, this is Gav, and welcome to another episode of Where to Go Next. Today, Lei and I are co-hosting this show, and we have um, my friend Gina Chan on the phone. She's in UK right now, and I'm gonna let her explain her situation a little bit more later. But we. I am super excited to um, talk to her because we haven't been talking for almost two years. But Gina helped me with my last transition period of transferring from Oberlin to Wellesley. So um, it's really funny that we're doing all these clearing out confusion session one more time. Um, so yeah, Gina, um, I guess we'd love you to introduce yourself a little bit. And Leia and I have this question that we want to ask you. So where um, are you from and where are you now? Cool. Thanks, Gab. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so I'm from Boston area originally. I grew up in a suburb of Boston called Bedford. And um, I spent most of my life there uh, until after high school, I lived in China for a year, went to school on the West mm. Coast, and then I've been mm. between Taipei, San Francisco again, and now I'm in London. So I've been in London for the last wow. year or so, a little bit more than that, and I guess I'm here indefinitely. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what's next for myself, actually, so I love the title of the podcast. I forgot completely that you took a gap year before Stanford and just moved to China. Like, how could a high schooler just decided to, you know, like, wh what made you move at that time? I had um, maybe like three, three big influences. One was that I think, um, let me think back. We had my whole... Um, English class in junior year had a very influential teacher. Our English teacher uh, just happened to encourage us in junior year to think about this ahead of time and be like, hey guys, you, you basically have a chance to take a year off after high school or after college. Like, just why not? Um, he was a kind of subversive teacher in a lot of ways. Like, 
few years after we graduated, he actually um, got suspended from the school for two weeks because he let his kids like <laughs> paint the walls of the classroom. <laughs> um, I so I wasn't that. there for that, but I, I kind of love that story because that's his personality. Um, and he really inspired our class. I know that because not only me, but like three of my other good friends from that class also took a gap year. And I think that was directly influenced by his approach to life, which was very much just very like experience led and go try it. What's the harm? Why not? Type of an attitude. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we had like a whole year to marinate on that advice after junior year anyway. So I think he planted the seed and then uh, later in senior year, I remember flipping open a magazine in the library once and reading in this old magazine called Utney. It was like an alternative alternative news mag or something. <laughs> and they published um, this essay by William Durisovitz, you know, that Yale professor who later published um, like something about students being sheep. It's just like very critical of the Ivy education. <laughs> um, I later, I mean... This, today and since college, I found his writing kind of annoying, but um, in the magazine, he had an essay called Solitude and Leadership, and it was just about spending time alone, like reading books, having kind of hermitude to sort of figure out how you, who you are. So that resonated, me, resonated with me in high school, and um, I kind of liked that idea of not going straight into another hyper-social setting. And then, honestly, mm. like the third clinching factor was that I went to the admit weekend at Stanford like the that weekend where you stay right before you commit to your acceptance and it honestly just freaked me out more than I thought it would <laughs> <laughs> like I thought I was super mature and ready for college and I'm sure I was but um as soon as I left that weekend it was like the last possible day to defer admission and I was like I have to do it I just don't really want to be here yeah. yet. I don't feel ready emotionally. Um, it's just like, it was so intimidating to me. <laughs> I, I thought that if I had some real world experience under my belt, I'd feel like more secure going to college with more of an identity, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. I'd have more of myself to hang on to when um, going into this like environment I perceived as really overwhelming and powerful. Right. That's so interesting. I'm really curious, what did you do, I guess, in that gap year then, um, while you were in, where were yeah, you Yeah, so um, I, I started off that summer by doing a bike trip with one of my best friends. We joined this group and we went to, we did a bike trip across the States, so from Seattle to DC. Wow. And wow. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, it was actually my second time doing that with this friend. Like, we, we met on a first... <laughs> bike trip going the opposite direction so like from Georgia to LA that was very special so um that's how I sort of started my year and then the rest of the events were honestly very organic and random they just came from my one decision to um to support myself during the year and so mm. that gave me a limited set of options for what can a high schooler do to earn income <laughs> and live on it. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up finding just through a random series of like year long conversations with um, my extended network or with my family's friends, really. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot mm -hmm. of them suggested, why don't you just do SAT tutoring in China? Like you'll probably make money as a high schooler. So that's what I did. Oh. Yeah, I just got connected through a friend's friend and 
um, ended up working at this small college admissions company in Nanjing, China. And so I had a contract with them for six months full time, um, went out there with my dad wow. and we went on Craigslist together and just like hit up some <laughs> apartments, you know, that were listed on there. Yeah. Wow. Thinking back to it, it's kind of crazy. Like he, he visited pretty much one or two places with me and we quickly signed on the second one as soon as we could. It was like this refurbished office building that was turned into housing. Wow. <laughs> and um, he left like the next day and then I started my life there. It's kind of surreal to remember it actually. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I was so curious when you say like Stanford was overwhelming and I was like, well, it sounds like moving to China was more overwhelming because you're sort of like setting up a new life anyway. But like, I feel like since you grew up here and like going to college, that was more... Well, I mean, there's like uncertainty, but it's just like seems to me moving to the West Coast was less overwhelming to some extent than moving to an entire new country by yourself. It's true. I think that um, I think that what overwhelmed me about Stanford was a particular type of more social anxiety. Because mm. the aspect mm. of like leaving home or being independent and moving to college or moving to the West Coast is really not scary to me. That's why I was surprised. I felt scared. Um, it wasn't about any of any of those changes. It was more just like maybe just feeling like I really didn't fit in, and so I wanted to have a super strong sense of self going into it. Mm. Interesting. Mm. It's really cool. I think that you were able to listen to that sort of intuition or gut feeling that young I guess I'm curious do you think any part of that ability to move sort of spurred you to then make the move to London or can you compare those experiences at all like how it's felt similar or different oh yeah definitely I think that that first experience of um just taking off and setting down roots in China very quickly very much shaped the rest of my life like I, I might have gotten a little addicted mm. to it because I got to see like <laughs> it's pretty easy like it's not that easy you have to well it's pretty easy you just have to sort of suffer for a few days you know when you're like really transitioning mm. and moving things and laboring and just dealing with a lot of uncertainty but um, uncertainty really doesn't bother me I think it's something that um a lot of my friends have like a hard time dealing with mm. and it's not something that particularly affects me luckily although other things definitely do so <laughs> yeah I, I love moving to new places I think it's really fun I really resonate with this saying of like uncertainty doesn't really bother you I feel like it's the same for me where like whenever I think about doing something that you know no one around me has ever done before I'm like well, this is so cool. Like, I'm going to be the first one to try it out and we'll just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious about what are the other things that bother you? Because I I can't really... Like, I have some sort of sense that there are things that keeps coming back to me that really bugs me. But I just would love to hear, have you have, like, a clear sense what some of the things are for you? Yeah, so honestly, what first comes to mind... I, I've just become really simple lately, but what first comes to mind is like a lack of sleep (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of the time I might think something deeper is brewing in me like like some kind of existential worries but I really don't think I Mm. have those I really more I'm just like thirsty hungry or sleepy and when I wake up (laughs) from a nap or 
just take care of my my physical needs. Normally, anything like really in my talky brain is just gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like I feel like I have a really great life and a lot of problems in my head. I sort of create from my head. Um, that said, I'm sure there are things that bother me. I just need to explore that question a little bit more. There's nothing on the day to day that's constantly plaguing me ex- that that I can't really knock out with a little bit of um, just like sensual pleasures, like sleeping. So, I'm I'm really curious about your life, like after coming back to、um, the states and started school. I know that you designed your own major. Do you think that was partially due to what you experienced during that gap year? And I also know that、um, you like mentioned you went to Taipei after college, and that was sort of like the only thing that you found. But I was just really curious. I'm sure a lot of Stanford. People went to you know McKinsey or Google, whatever like those prestigious schools. But then, what leads you to Taipei, and what leads you to come back to the States, and then now back to London again? So I guess starting with、um, the like college and my major. So for background, I I did like a self-designed major at Stanford called Engineering and Design for Sustainability. So you can kind of declare a self-designed one in junior year.、Mm-hmm. I felt like from the very beginning of college,、um, when they went in there, already feeling some sort of antagonism with the traditional path, like、mm-hmm. banking, consulting, and anything that seemed、um, overly just like conventional or self-serving or, or not considered, because I had this worry to begin with that it would.、Um, Ultimately, be something I regret or try to backstep, and I've met enough、um, like college new grads at that point to know that a lot of them went into those careers for like two years and saw them sort of as throwaway years, you know, or be like,、yeah. um, I'm doing it so I can get this name on my resume or or、right. learn about X Y Z type of hard skills, and then I'll figure out what、mm-hmm. I really want to do. I feel like I just heard that trope a little bit too many times, and、um, I didn't want to. Just do the same thing. <laughs> so from the beginning, I had a sort of bad attitude towards consulting, banking, and whatever. I guess in in、um, at Stanford also like towards tech as a big blanket umbrella type of world. Looking back, I don't think that was necessarily constructive or healthy because obviously within those worlds, there's like a lot of subtleties、mm. and. I tended to be a little bit black and white in college, and like overly critical of everything but myself. So that's an attitude that I don't think benefited me or anyone. <laughs>、um, but yeah, that's sort of why I was obsessed with trying to like within the context I was in, which was mechanical engineering. I was always trying to think like, what's what's something I can do that's beyond what the status quo of like. The best thing you could do within mechanical engineering at Stanford is to work for Apple after graduation.、Um, so at the time, it was really about like latching onto this emerging field of circular economy and、um, how can you design things without using glue so that you can perpetually recycle things. I thought that was an、yeah. interesting question, and I just sort of gravitated towards that because I was already in an engineering discipline. If I were to totally start over school, I might do it totally differently. Like I wouldn't have even been in engineering <laughs> potentially. Might have just like. Really followed、um, 
the seed of what I loved at the time and let it organically grow into something. But yeah, that's that's the story of my major. Um, mm. I know there's other parts of your question too. Yeah, so like type life in Taipei and um, I guess like moving back to the West Coast and then it almost sounds like really soon you discovered that oh like you don't like the west coast life and you wanted to move out again yeah <laughs> that's right um so i went to taipei purely because of my major because it was sort of niche like designing physical things without glue so that they can be recycled again um i really tried to look for companies doing that there are very few uh, like the world of circular economy lives mainly in academic and think tank type of territory still. So a lot of people write about it and create thought leadership around it, but very few are practicing it from like a like a sustainable business mm. standpoint. Um, so yeah, I moved to Taipei because just because I found a, a company that was literally doing <laughs> circular economy design and engineering and manufacturing and um although it was primarily led by the job um secondary was that I really knew that I loved Taipei because I'd done an internship there a few summers before just like a very random one paired mm. through the school and so yeah I was excited about going to not only Taiwan but also somewhere to have like a period of rest like away from my my yeah. community and all of my social circle mm -hmm. in a way and take some time and chill out. <laughs> I think that's actually super interesting that you mentioned sort of, it sounds like there's this recurring theme in some ways that um, sort of like finding escape maybe when you're moving um, from like this maybe social pressure, like, um, which I think is very interesting because I think as an extrovert or like when I move to places, I often can like feel the weight of solitude or feeling like disconnected from those social networks. So I'm interested to like, um, I guess just like understand more like when you actually get to a place, like sort of what are the feelings that come up or like, do you seek community in new ways there or like reconnecting with your old community? Or is it really just like a time for like clean slate? Like I just need to like be alone for a bit. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm definitely like super introverted, although that I also really, really love all my friends and my community. They mean everything to me. Um, so yeah, I think that you're very correct to say there's some escape element to it. I feel <laughs> that way sometimes. Like I love being alone. I like to, um, I don't necessarily love being alone all the time, mm. but I love to feel like I have control over my day and my time right. and who I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And I love when it's like, super proactive maybe i'm just a control freak honestly <laughs> like i love to <laughs> i love to be the one who is proactively deciding like which relationships are prioritized in my life versus i think in college sometimes um it's or any time when i was even in the bay and or at home when like a lot of my friends and community just are um sometimes you're just doing things because people are around or there's a default type of rhythm. So it's always fun for me to just like break that completely and right. just rebuild it myself and be like, who am I trying to keep in my life in what way? And it's sort of up to me, you know? Mm. Right. Yeah, it's a much more active decision yeah. rather than just like an act of convenience. 
That's so interesting. I feel like that's almost certainly true during this time too, when people are now physically separated. It's maybe like the first time that others are having to think about keeping up these relationships too. Yeah, but. totally. I think it's so interesting because I was telling Eugenia about how much I love biking through the minimum bike path. And like I was sharing this with David uh, for the record, he's one of our mutual friends. And he was like, yeah, like I love those active times of solitude. It really gives you time to think. And like, I, I just really, I agree with you, like, I love having control. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, control freak, which in some sense I admit I am, but I just love to being able to stop whenever I can stop, and, like, there's nobody else that I'm affecting, and I think a lot of those times when I spend it with myself, I enjoyed it so much because I don't have to talk about stuff that I'm not interested in, where you can't really avoid in a social setting, and I love that and, and I, I think it's true, like, sometimes I feel like I need to escape from somewhere just to clear my mind out and to help myself focus uh, focus on, oh, what is actually important? What is something that I don't want? And then I come back, and then I probably, you know, push things away that are sort of not of a priority in some sense. So how's your um, life in Linden like? How, how do you like it? And what is life like there? Yeah, so um, I guess pre-quarantine, life here for me is, um, I guess, pretty routine because I'm still working a 9-to-5 job and um, yeah, it's probably going to be really boring sounding because it's probably like most working people's <laughs> lives. <laughs> um, oh, I normally, so first of all, after COVID, after lockdown, I've been like experimenting with a different lifestyle every few days so I have nothing consistent going on right now but before that um, I was really trying to live like a lot of with a lot of routine so I would normally get up pretty early like 5 or 5 30 I live with my partner here and um, we typically just like try to slam our feet on the ground and go on a quick little walk which always turns into a little run around the park near our place then go home and like mm. get really cozy, you know, make drinks and um, sit down and journal a little, read a little bit. Um, I was trying to read this Chinese book for the last mm. year, so just like reading out loud a few pages. Finally, I finished it though, um, after like a year's worth of reading, wow. yeah, <laughs> um, with my mom too. We, we would have like weekly lessons I would read out loud to her. Anyway, that was part of my sort of daily morning routine. It was just, I love trying to live my life in the morning as much as possible, like do all the things I really love to do and use my good energy for that. Mm -hmm. If there's anything big that I need to do, either for work or for my, my personal projects or whatever, I'll try to schedule it in the morning so I have like a big time block. So that's really my happy time and it's very pleasant. And then as soon as the workday starts, then I'm like, switch mindset, be ready for anything. I mean, be ready for just get bombarded <laughs> with problems probably or anything, you know. <laughs> um, work to me is like, you know, it depends what kind of mode it is, but um, often it's, it's just problems. That's, that's what I say in two different ways. I'll be like, mm. it's just problems, like whatever, it's just problems. Or it's like, it's just problems, like it's only problems. <laughs> um, so yeah, I get into that sort of defense state of mind um, and offense, of course, but you know, just like not 
not really sure what's gonna happen and want to be ready for anything. Then at the end of the day, um, yeah, I don't know. I normally like go to sleep pretty early, so I don't even have that many evening hours. Probably just try to have dinner with my partner and um, I don't know, <laughs> relax, go to sleep. So it's it's actually super mundane and boring. Nothing super interesting about it. And then on the weekends, uh, this is where like being in London actually has any kind of you know even comes into play in the story. <laughs> um, I I say most of the time when well pre-lockdown we just like do really long walks i would love to have a bicycle here but i don't i think it was kind of terrifying with there's like no shoulder on the roads really narrow and the buses are terrifying yeah so So i haven't gotten a bike although i think it'd be so fun normally just pick a direction and walk like really far and try to see things and stop Mm. in places randomly organically i have a few friends here from school who i wouldn't have been friends with probably if we weren't in london together it's been really awesome to build a little community Mm -hmm. with them as well as with work friends so yeah i realize it's a really vague description of life here but uh, (laughs) i um i do live a slightly shallow life like i'm not super deep into any sort of hobby or community i'm really just like dabbling i love that what part of london do you live in Sorry, out of curiosity. I lived there for a year, so. Oh, cool, yeah. I'm right by Highbury and Islington Station, if you Oh my remember. gosh, yeah. Um, I lived, yeah, pretty close to there. Um, I lived near Angel on... Oh, yeah, yeah like literally right down there. the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to the London School of Economics for a year, so, like, I love that oh, area. Oh, that's so awesome. Cool. Yeah. One thing, as a mutual friend of you two, I guess I want to call out is something I share... I see in like the three of us and a lot of people that I tend to like um, which is we at least the three of us all like to go on random walks or random (laughs) like you know journeys and just like definitely it's such a walking is so underrated as an activity (laughs) like it's so awesome I sort of love that you talked a little bit about walking um and Gina, when you were talking about just walking around London, like that's something I love because you can just like pick a direction and like go forever and then eventually like hop on the tube when you get tired or just like turn around and go back. But exactly. Um, sort of actually while I was at the London School of Economics, I took this course on cultural geographies and like part of it was just doing walking tours of the city um, and sort of like analyzing it that way. But there's this concept of um, being a flaneur. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's like, yeah, sort of like back in the day, like it was sort of understood that like men were able to like wander the streets and like have this really weird like sort of intrusive gaze on others um but there's also like this concept that's sort of been like reclaimed as like flanusing and I feel like whenever I walk like especially in a new place for some reason I feel a lot more like empowered or emboldened just to like stare at like people or things or just like sort of more absorb and observe like you were noticing and I also write a lot like I've always kept a blog when I travel um but some of them too are just like little notes that I keep on my phone you know or it's journal and some of them like will never be shared and it's just but all these little details I feel like are so they're so much brighter I feel like often when I'm abroad or just like when you go for a walk because it's just like you're just bombarded with all of these things at once and you sort of have to figure out how to make sense of it all. But do you have any practices that sort of like reflect your walking? Is it the journaling in the morning or elsewhere? Yeah, I do love journaling. I love writing. I used to write a lot more um, and I love taking photographs. Mm. But I think, yeah, listening to you talk about flanusing. I I love that, by the way. That's so good. (laughs) Um, 
I think that just like the act of walking around absorbing things and observing is 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 part of the practice of loving life. Mm. It's just like looking around I and feeling that. stimulated and being just aware and in tune with things and right. yeah, that definitely like um, translates well to being able to express through art later on or not right like just keeping it within you yeah. yeah that's so true i have a question for you gina so can you describe the moments where you're like oh this is a moment that i'm going to leave yeah definitely um i think that it's a question mark for me right now but the past two times like when i when i was leaving taipei i knew it was time mainly i decided to leave taipei because i wanted to um just like invest in my relationship and my partner's in California. He was like definitely going to stay in California for a little bit. So um, we had a great time actually doing long distance, but I just felt like in my heart that was the time. Like it's been a year and a half of long distance and um, like let's try something else. So that's why I moved to California. I feel like living in San Francisco the way I was, um, I was actually trying to just figure out the next step for myself much earlier maybe like five or six months in I wasn't just like I wasn't very happy with mm. my life there and um instead of having like a more adaptive attitude being like how can I maximally make this work out for me I mean I think I sort of did do that a lot of it had to do with quitting my job um which made life in San Francisco very mm. nice but um yeah I think Leaving to London, I mean, this sort of like dropped in my lap as an opportunity. Mm. So I wasn't planning to come here at all. It just was um, not only the time that I quit my job, but I had another opportunity, like sort of opportunely land in my <laughs> fingertips. So, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, for what's next. So um, I don't know. I trust in the process. I think that as time goes by, like opportunities are everywhere. Like I think... Um, I I see them all over the place, but I don't feel any urgency to leave. I do think that after 10 years-ish of being away from home, it would be very interesting to experience my hometown and my family as an adult, because um, it already is. Like, every time I go back there, it's cool to relate with them as more of a friend and, like, being able to support my parents mm. um, in various ways. Right. So, yeah, it's it's really just something I'm curious about. I also wanted to ask you some of the questions that you often get asked. So what are the Brits like? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, I guess I'm just going to have to risk some of my my beloved Brit friends listening or, or anonymous <laughs> Brits just like feeling the um, gentle gaze of judgment from me. But uh, <laughs> I think they're extremely kind and hilarious i mean growing up in the u.s there's always some sort of like idolizing of their accents and their ways of life so i think being around it is just like oh my gosh this is 24 7 this is awesome <laughs> um i mean i think their sense of humor is hilarious like just being able to sit on the tube and eavesdrop on however many conversations going on people are always just sort of like bantering and also like a lot better at english more verbally advanced um <laughs> <laughs> definitely like has they have an element of thinking they're much better than um the u.s peoples but i don't really mind like whatever that might be true <laughs> 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 um 
yeah, I don't know. I love being around them. It's pretty fun. It just feels like a really different world, like actually really different world, but familiar enough because it's English.、Mm. So, like,、um, also going back to one of the questions I asked you earlier, throughout the years, you know, like moving around and stuff like that, and like meeting new people or like talking back to the people who were previously in your life, what were the questions that you really liked being asked, and what a question that you really hated whenever people asked you about that? Yeah. <laughs>、um, hmm. <laughs> Actually, don't really know if there's anything I hate, but I think that.、Um, hmm. Actually, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> It's been a while since people asked me questions about moving. Maybe because I haven't really、mm-hmm. moved in a while. But I think that typically, like the default conversation that comes up is normally around just like. Trying to assess cost of living and quality of life in a different place, people are always curious about how that compares to where they're at. Right.、Um, so even though that can get repetitive sometimes, I、mm-hmm. really don't mind because I think that actually is very relevant to us setting up our lives.、Mm-hmm. Like it's totally、uh, savvy and good to know that there's like a big variety out there. <laughs> and then questions <laughs> I do really like. I I don't know. To me, all questions are great. Like if I'm not happy with the question, we can always lead it to a place where it's a more fun conversation. But I guess any questions that allow for sort of like either digging up some memories that I haven't thought about in a while, or we're discovering <laughs> something together through the questions. That's that's always fun.、Mm, I love it. What are some of the、um, random ways of living you've been trying out during quarantine? You mentioned you've been switching up your routine a bit. Oh yeah, that's a good question.、Um, I don't know. It's just really disorderly. Like compared to waking up at five every day and just being pretty regimented,、yeah. I I've just been like this weekend, for instance. I've just been so tired. I've been taking like two, three hour naps、mm. every day and sleeping really long. <laughs> so、um, it's it's kind of all over the place. I don't even have like. I don't know, eating like lunch at three p.m. Whatever stuff I don't normally do. I know it's not like the most extreme thing、right. ever, but、um, it just changes so much day to day. And then maybe another day I'll be up at four thirty because I'm just super amped about something, <laughs> and、um, I want to be there,、yeah. you know, for that four hour chunk before work versus、right. three. And yeah, I don't know. Things for me right now, everything is totally open ended.、Mm. I'm. Definitely in more of a state of change than ever before because I think it's helpful that the world has come to this place of just like looking back and not taking any of its assumptions yeah, for granted. Yeah. yeah, so that's affecting me. I think in a pretty positive way.、Um, I don't really. I know much less about what I want and wanted than before、mm-hmm. because maybe I'm just subjecting myself to more like.、Um, More scrutiny and uncertainty and questioning,、okay. but yeah, just really living day to day and following my urges now more than before, and、um, try not to be anxious about it because I think that's sometimes just part of the process. I think it's like a creative destruction process.、Mm-hmm. Like, let's start over again, and I'm sure we'll build something that works for me again. But I sort of need to try out a few things that work, like a total lack of discipline, like what I'm experiencing now, versus. <laughs> Um, bringing it back into my life slowly.、Right. I love that.
question. I love food. Um, and so I'm curious in all of your adventures abroad, is there a meal or a dish that sticks out in your mind um, that you like sometimes randomly crave or just like, it could be like a shared experience too that made that special, but anything that comes to your mind. Mm, okay. My mind immediately gravitates to Taiwan, but that's because I've been away from Asia <laughs> and like real Asian for so long. Um, Anything in Taiwan yeah. is so delicious, but I'd have to say top experiences are probably like um, hot pot mm. at one or two places. One place called like Orange Shabu Shabu, I thought was like very, very, very good. Mm. <laughs> and well, I don't know. It's hard to even name Taiwan places because everything is so good, and I, I probably people will probably want to fight me about it. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean like street food, all the most humble types of food, they're like the best there. So, man, I'm just really craving it. I, <laughs> I think anything would do, like any kind of guro fen or something. Mm. But, yeah. That sounds so wow. good. Well, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. I know. So. <laughs> Stomach's rumbling. It's time to eat. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. It was so great to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much too. I would love to hear more about both of you sometime. I mean, it doesn't have to be on the air, but it'd be nice to connect sometime and see what you're both thinking about.